This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The culture war continues with many people of faith becoming casualties. This is especially true of Christians in the wedding industry who believe in the biblical definition of marriage being between one man and one woman. Secular and LGBT forces have actively persecuted such Christian businesses. One especially egregious case is that of Sweet Cakes by Melissa. The Oregon-based custom bakery was owned by Aaron and Melissa Klein. When the Kleins declined to design and create a wedding cake celebrating a lesbian marriage, the state of Oregon intervened. The state's Bureau of Labor and Industry ruled that the Kleins violated the state's public accommodation law. They were punished. They were fined $135,000 for emotional damage to the lesbian couple. That was a penalty that shut down their business. In addition, the Bureau issued a gag order forbidding the Kleins from even talking about their religious beliefs. The Klein's attorneys believe that now is the time to ask the U.S. Supreme Court to rule on the issues of free speech and religion that are being threatened. First Liberty Institute has officially asked the High Court to intervene. I speak with First Liberty Deputy General Counsel Mike Berry about what's at stake in today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now, today's Fast Track. Today, Pakistan's Supreme Court acquitted Christian Asia Bibi of committing blasphemy against the Prophet Muhammad. That's a crime punishable by death in the Muslim country. There were threats of nationwide paralyzing protests and consequences to judges and army generals if the Christian mother of five was released, and protests have already erupted in several cities. In their final judgment, reversing Bibi's conviction by two lower courts and removing her death sentence, the panel of three judges ruled that Bibi was wrongly accused by two sisters with the help of a local cleric based on material contradictions and inconsistent statements of the witnesses that cast a shadow of doubt on the prosecution's version of the facts. Numerous student pro-life clubs and outreaches at schools across the United States have been targets of vandalism, theft, and other incidents in the past month. During the weekend, Students for Life of America reported someone vandalized and stole several flyers from the Southern Methodist University in Dallas ahead of President Christian Hawkins' lies pro-choice politicians tell speaking to her stop. Hawkins said abortion activists also destroyed pro-life student signs at Robert Morris University ahead of her speech there. In the past month, Life News has counted more than a dozen incidents targeting pro-lifers on college and on high school campuses, including the assault of a pro-life woman in Ryerson University in Toronto, Canada. A pro-abortion student was also arrested at Indiana University after he allegedly vandalized and stole several signs from pro-life advocates with Created Equal. Philadelphia-based foster families will be in court next week, fighting the city of Philadelphia's decision to target religious foster care agencies, thus keeping hundreds of at-risk kids out of loving homes. The city of Philadelphia barred one of the city's top foster care agencies, Catholic Social Services, from placing children with dozens of certified foster homes solely because the agency's long-standing religious beliefs about marriage. But earlier this year, the city enacted a new policy abruptly barring Catholic Social Services from placing children with foster parents like Sharnell Fulton, who's fostered more than 40 kids in the last 25 years, even though there's never been a single complaint against the agency's policy. 
Instead, the evidence shows that not a single person has been prevented or even discouraged from becoming a foster parent because of Catholic Social Services' religious ministry. Next Tuesday, the Third Circuit Court of Appeals must decide whether to grant Catholic Social Services' ability to place children while the case is ongoing. If not, it will be forced to close within the next few months. As the Alabama Supreme Court upheld the state's fetal homicide law in a ruling this month, one of the justices said the decision should force the U.S. Supreme Court to revisit its 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling. Alabama Justice Tom Parker said it is a logical fallacy for the government to consider the fetus a life for purposes of a murder conviction, but not when it comes to a woman deciding to end her pregnancy. World Liquor News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi. I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. This is World Lutheran News Digest. This is the Lutheran Varta Parivadi Agunu. This is Lutheran Samachar. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Mr. Michael Berry. He's Deputy General Counsel for the First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is in the news again because they are taking up the case one more time of Sweet Cakes by Melissa. Now, Sweet, Sweet Cakes is the uh, bakery in Oregon that was owned by a uh, Christian couple, by Aaron and Melissa Klein, and they're business was, well, they lost their business because they refused to make a cake for a lesbian couple as opposed to their Christian beliefs. What happened was that the state of Oregon's Bureau of Labor and Industries decided that they violated the state's uh, public accommodation statutes. They fined them $135,000, actually a penalty for emotional damages, and the business has been shut down. But now it looks like it may be back in the news. I understand that First Liberty has filed for a writ of certiori with the Supreme Court. What is a writ of certiori? Well, uh, it's a uh, thanks for having me on, by the way. And uh, a, a writ of certiori is just a fancy Latin term for uh, basically the, the Supreme Court agreeing that your case uh, is deserving of them uh, reviewing the you know w- whatever the decision below is that you're appealing. So uh, you know folks may not be familiar with our judicial system. So just a quick primer is that there are are different types of of courts. And uh, when you, you know, if you lose your case at, at a trial court and you decide you want to appeal, 
there are some courts where you have an automatic right of appeal. So, you know, you lose and you automatically have a right to have an appeals court review the decision and to see if, you know, there was a miscarriage of justice or the law wasn't applied correctly, etc. And then there are other types of appeals courts, which are called courts of discretionary review. Uh, the Supreme Court is one of those. And they have the, the, the discretion, as the name entails, to decide whether or not uh, they're going to hear your case. And so when you try to go uh, take your case to the U.S. Supreme Court, you have to file what's called a petition for a writ of certiorari. Um, so that's, uh, that's just the fancy term that, that lawyers use, and, and the shorthand for that is called a cert petition. And if, you, if the Supreme Court says, yes, we'll hear your case, then you'll hear the lawyer say, we got a cert grant. We had the Supreme Court last year, or actually this year, issue a ruling in a somewhat similar case, that of the Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado. But the ruling there was rather narrow, is my understanding. The uh, case here is similar but also somewhat different and there are some very interesting points that are involved in this one as i understand the uh, the case of masterpiece the supreme court which ruled seven to two ruled that way simply because they said that the uh the uh, uh civil rights commission of colorado had shown open hostility to religion rather than neutrality and so they kicked it back there but there are a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of unanswered issues is this one reason why you're hopeful that this particular case, Sweet Cakes by Melissa, will be heard by the High Court? Yes, that, that, that's correct. That is one of the reasons why uh, we believe that the Sweet Cakes case is uh, deserving of the Supreme Court's review, as you pointed out in the Masterpiece case. You know, it, through no fault of Jack Phillips or, or Masterpiece or, or their, you know, their attorneys, um, who did a fantastic job, um, but unfortunately, the, the, or depending on how your, what your perspective is, the state of Colorado and the Civil Rights Commission there uh, had demonstrated so much anti-religious hostility during the proceedings that it was basically as if Jack Phillips didn't even get a fair trial. And when that happens, the Supreme Court, or, or any court for that matter, they didn't really have to address the underlying, you know, broad, broader legal questions of free speech and, and, and things like that, because they, they could just look at the fact that, you know, in essence, wait a minute, you know, Jack, didn't really, Jack Phillips didn't even really get a fair shake here, because there was so much blatant anti-religious hostility demonstrated by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission that, you know, we can just send this back right now and say, look, you've got to give this guy a fair trial. So uh, that... Uh, you know, unfortunately, and, and so there was a good good in that is that the Supreme Court reminded, uh, you know, states and 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 civil rights commissions and really Americans everywhere that look, you know, the First Amendment still means something, and and religious freedom still means something. You can't be a government body and just trample over religious freedom and demonstrate that kind of anti-religious hostility. But what the court didn't do, and what the court left unresolved, was really the the fundamental question of whether. Uh, can the government compel citizens to create messages or to create speech that goes against their beliefs? And you know, because and that's kind of the question that the, the Sweet Cakes case presents to the Supreme Court, right? Let, let's assume hypothetically that Jack Phillips got a fair trial, right? That the Colorado Civil Rights Commission didn't have all that anti-religious bigotry um, going on. Uh, would they then have, have, you know, would the outcome be different in that case? And the court never addressed that. And, and, the, and the Sweet Case case gives the, the court the opportunity to address that fundamental question. Can the government, whether it's the federal government or a state government, in this case the state of Oregon, can the state of Oregon compel Aaron and Melissa to create a message, a, a, you know, a 
really a form of art, right, artistic expression that violates their beliefs. And we really think that the court needs to take that question up and, and you know, uh, decide that issue once and for all. Are you hopeful that they will do it? Oh, absolutely. I think that, look, you know, in, any case that goes before the U.S. Supreme Court uh, or that, that's, you know, when, when you file a, a petition for writ of certiorari, as we talked about at the beginning, the odds are, are numerically stacked against you because just purely numerically speaking, the court all, you know, takes less than 1% of all the cases that are sent to, before it uh, for review. So if you're just playing the numbers game, the odds are, are, are pretty bad. But, you know, First Liberty Institute, uh, are, we, we represent Aaron and Melissa, and along with our, um, our, our co-counsel, uh, who is uh, actually a, a, a renowned, uh, you know, most people would call him a, a, a Supreme Court rock star, I guess you could call it, with uh, Boyd and Gray, and associates, and uh, formerly uh, Ambassador Boyden Gray, uh, who also served as White House counsel under the uh, President uh, George H. W. Bush administration. It, like I said, a known as a a Supreme Court litigator uh, extraordinaire. So, with his expert assistance and and work on the case, we feel like we have given Aaron and Melissa's case as good a chance as any of, of you know, the Supreme Court agreeing to take the case and reviewing it. So we feel, I, I would say, cautiously optimistic is the right way to put it. I think I see two major differences here between Sweet Cakes and Masterpiece. Uh, one was that uh, Masterpiece actually had a, uh, a storefront where it sold items off the shelf as well as doing custom work, where Sweet Cakes is solely a custom cake shop. You didn't go in there and buy something off the shelf. They had to create it specially. Uh, the other thing that uh, struck me on this as a difference was that the Oregon Bureau of uh, the Oregon Bureau actually punished the uh, the clients to the tune of one hundred thirty five thousand dollars because they didn't toe the line. In the case of Jack Phillips, they simply told him that he couldn't make any more wedding cakes, which took away sixty percent of his business. But he wasn't actually fined per se. So I think there's a difference here where where uh, the one actually punished went out of their way to punish the uh, the clients. Yeah, no, that's th- those are ab- very good observations and absolutely accurate distinctions to draw between the cases. You know, as you said, yes, that that uh, Jack Phillips sold, you know, quote unquote, off the shelf products, right? Where anybody could just walk in and and buy something, um, you know, cookies, uh, you know, a box of cookies, or or uh, a, you know, a pre made cake, or or whatever the case might be. Whereas with Aaron and Melissa, every cake that they make is a is you know, is kind of custom made, and and particularly when it comes to wedding cakes, uh, that was something that that Melissa took great joy. And in creating, and she would work very, very closely with the the bride and groom um, on on the design that they wanted. You know, the type of cake, uh, what it was going to look like, the presentation, etc. So it very much was a form of artistic expression, not just the the you know what bride and groom wanted, but really allowing Melissa to have the opportunity, the artistic freedom, really to uh, to, to use her creative talents in that way. And and then to, you know to, beyond that, as you pointed out, unfortunately, that's no longer the case for Animalist. They've been put out of business. This hundred and thirty-five thousand dollar fine was so crippling that it devastated them, and and they don't have there there is no more sweet cakes by Melissa in Gresham, Oregon. Um, it, it has been it has been shuttered, and you know nobody really knows if there ever will be a sweet cakes by Melissa again. 
even though her cakes were, were very popular, were very, very well received, and, and, and she was considered kind of a rising star, if you will, in the, in the wedding cake uh, business up, up there in the Pacific Northwest. And that's kind of the, the human toll that this case has taken. And I'll be clear, you know, Jack Phillips obviously suffered, very clearly suffered a human toll as well. But we're, you know, fortunately for Jack, he, he still has uh, a shop and is still in business, which I think is fantastic news. And I hope that the Supreme Court victory that he secured allows him to continue to be uh, in business. And we just hope the same thing for Aaron and Melissa Klein. Also, uh, one other difference was that the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries actually hit them with a, a gag order. Yeah, that was the part where I, I really thought that th- this is just going over the top now. You know, you're talking about, you know, a- adding uh, in- injury to insult or I- insult to injury. The the Oregon, you know, first of all, Bureau of Labor and Industry just sounds like something very Orwellian, if you ask me, <laughs> to begin with. And, and so to have this Bureau of Labor and Industries come in and say, hey, uh, you're not even allowed to talk about your religious beliefs, um, and, and it was the reasoning for it, right? Because they said it would, it, it was something akin to to revictimizing people or continuing to perpetuate the harm that they. And it's just just this ridiculous rhetoric, right? Um, that. Uh, the, the government is, is now saying you're not even allowed to talk about your religious beliefs. I mean, that so clearly violates the First Amendment. Now, the good news is that First Liberty, we fought that, uh, uh, you know, vehemently at the Court of Appeals, and we did get that, the, the, the gag order uh, reversed and overturned. So, which still leaves me kind of scratching my head is, well, wait a minute, if you recognize that that's a First Amendment violation, how can you not recognize that, that telling them that they can't Telling Aaron and Melissa you can't talk about your religious beliefs is a, is a First Amendment violation. Well, then why wouldn't you also agree that telling them, and you must, you know, you must say the following message is also a First Amendment violation. But I guess, you know, the, the state of Oregon, the Court of Appeals there didn't see it that way. So that's why we, we again, we just yet one more reason why the Supreme Court needs to, to take this up and, and, and clean up the mess. There are a number of other somewhat similar situations. We have uh, Telescope Media in Minnesota, which uh, make uh, film wedding films. We have uh, Russian Nib in uh, Arizona that makes custom cards and and, and uh, calligraphy for various items, specifically for a marriage. We have Arlene's Flowers in Washington State, where she declined to make a... Uh, a specialized floral arrangement for a gay wedding. And she's not just facing loss of her business. She may lose her home as well. Are these also going to be impacted by whatever the court does in regarding a sweet cakes? And is this perhaps another reason why the Supreme Court would take it up? Because there are so many other issues hanging fire here. Yeah, I, I think there's obviously potential for what the Supreme Court does, I mean, assuming and, and hoping that the Supreme Court takes up Aaron and Melissa's case. Uh, if that happens, then whatever the outcome is, certainly has the potential to have a huge impact on all those other cases you just mentioned. You know, Telescope Media in Minnesota, Brush at Nib in Phoenix, Arlene's up in up in um, in the Seattle area, and I think what that demonstrates is these are not you know. Uh, to use the phrase isolated incident means that it only happens one time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing this pop up not, not just in one area of the country, but really all over the country. And so I hope that that sends a message to the Supreme Court like that, that you can say no to this one, but these are just going to keep coming back and back and back. 
And I think for, for you know, the, the folks listening that are kind of questioning, well, what's really going on here, right? Surely there's kind of a broader perspective on what's going on. And, and, and yes, the, the, what's going on is you're seeing, uh, that, look, for, for centuries in this country, uh, under our Constitution and under our, our form of government, we've always understood and maybe taken for granted that people in this country are going to have differences of opinion. They're going to have different backgrounds, different cultures, different views on things, and, and even very important things like marriage and the meaning of life, human sexuality, etc. But if there's one thing our Constitution has always done, it's provide, it's, it's, it's been, it's served as a shield to protect us from government intrusion into those areas to allow us to peacefully coexist. Right? That we can we can talk with our neighbor over you know, the fence post about things that are controversial, but we can get along and coexist even if we disagree. And in this country, though, we, we always took for granted that, that even though I may disagree with my neighbor on those issues, the government was not going to come in and tell one of us, you're right, and tell the other one, you're wrong, and now you have to get in line with what the correct view is on these things. And that's what we're now seeing, though, in, in all these cases that we just mentioned. The government is now stepping in and trying to use its authority to say, Aaron and Melissa, your position is wrong. You must, and in fact, I don't use this term lightly. This is actually what the commissioner of the Bureau of Labor and Entry said. They said, Aaron and Melissa, you must be rehabilitated, right? Think about that. The government is telling somebody that they must be rehabilitated simply because of what they believe, and they want to change what they believe, and they want to use the power of the government to, to threaten them and coerce them to do that. And that's what you're seeing in all those other cases as well. So, I, I, again, to go back to our original point, that is why this is such a vitally important case for the Supreme Court to take. We've seen this happen now in a number of jurisdictions, as you pointed out. There's different states that are involved in this. Should the Supreme Court take up this ruling and actually make a definitive ruling? You know, in the past, the Supreme Court tends to back off a little bit when it's crossing into states' rights. But in a case like this, would they make a ruling that would then set a standard for all the states that they have to follow? I, I think that's certainly one potential outcome, you know, among, among several alternatives. And, and that would be one, yes, that we would love to see, right? The Supreme Court kind of definitively say, look, states are free to, to, to you know, pass regulations and, and ordinances and, and laws, et cetera, and statutes. And you can even, you know, non-discrimination laws are a good thing in general, right? I mean, you know, most of us can agree that discrimination is usually a bad thing, right? And, and, but the state can take that and go too far when it begins to use the power to say, you know, we're passing a law that prohibits discrimination, blah, 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 when the state, ta- the state takes that too far when they begin to trample on people's constitutional liberties and their First Amendment rights in the name of, of you know, they begin to use the, the term non-discrimination kind of as a, as a cover for what's really just the, the, the just trampling upon of, of our most fundamental rights as American citizens. And I think the Supreme Court absolutely has a role to play in saying, "Hey, you know, you're you're going too far. You don't you you have the right to pass laws, but you don't have the right to usurp the Constitution." So this is at heart, it is a federal constitutional issue. Absolutely, because you know, yes, I mean, I, I think most folks listening are probably uh, supporters of states' rights. 
Uh, I'm a strong, I'm a supporter of, of strong states' rights, but not when the states ignore or or disregard the federal constitution, because uh, that's really what forms the fundamental, you know, the basis for our, our our governance in this country, right? And 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 it says clearly in the First Amendment that free exercise of religion and free speech are protected. And when Aaron and Melissa Klein, you know, to go back to really the, the main point here, when Aaron and Melissa Klein don't want to be forced by the government to engage in speech that violates their religious beliefs, I think the Supreme Court has to step in and say, the state of Oregon, you can't do that. You cannot force somebody to engage in speech that violates their rights. I mean, that violates their conscience. I'm sorry. Now, First Liberty has filed a petition for certiorari with the Supreme Court. Any idea on when the court will make an announcement of whether they will accept it or not? Uh, that's a, that's a, a tough one. You know, um, it, it really is at this stage, at this early stage, uh, it's anybody's guess. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts still. Um, obviously, the state of Oregon, you know, will have the opportunity to respond. And, you know, they might ask for an extension or something like that, which would push things out. So at this point, it's it's really difficult to say. We're hoping that uh, you know if there's a if there's a cert grant um, that it'll be within you know this this term, um, and and that would be fantastic if we could get a cert grant and uh, an oral argument and a decision within this this uh, term of court. If our listeners are interested in following this case, can they follow it on your website? Are you going to be having information on this? Oh yes, absolutely. We we keep the website up to date. I mean, probably almost to the minute uh, with any kind of legal updates or, or anything else. And uh, folks can just go to firstliberty.org. Uh, again, that's firstliberty.org, and you can learn about Aaron and Melissa's case as well as the the, the dozens of other cases we have going on. Uh, I think people listening around. I mean, uh, no matter where you are, I think that's one of the things that people always comment to me is they go to the website and they begin kind of looking around at different cases and then they realize oh my gosh there's one there's something happening right in my backyard you know in my community uh and they begin to get really fired up about these things and because they didn't realize that there are religious liberty battles happening every single day in every corner of this country we are again firstliberty.org we are engaged in a cultural war i'm afraid Yes, and it really, it, it, you know, there's no front line anymore. The front line is everywhere. It's the, it's the entire nation. Mr. Berry, I want to thank you so much for being on the program and explaining this very complex but very important issue. And good luck with you in the, in the red. I am be following this very, very closely. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. Anytime. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.